Welcome in, everyone. This is uh, Maria from Watertown, and you are listening to episode 20 of Tape to Tape. Today's episode is a bit of a um, special episode in that um, with the Bruins being on an all-star break right now and not scheduled to restart their season until Tuesday, February 6th, we're going to spend a little bit of time recapping the Bruins' first half of the season talking about whether or not they're meeting, not meeting, exceeding our expectations. We're also going to spend a very small amount of time talking about the NHL All-Star Game and all that went along with that over the course of this past weekend. And we're also going to give out our um, mid-season awards. And with that being said, I'm going to welcome in my co-host, Carolyn. Welcome Carolyn. How's it going, Maria? All good, all good. And now we're recording also on a special day because uh, the Bruins start their second half of the season uh, on a day that is inconvenient for us. So uh, we're enjoying a weekend recording. So this is why everyone can see this episode in their platform of choice a little bit earlier than usual. But it's nice because I'm sitting here and it's daylight out while we're recording. Usually it's pitch black. Yeah, it's it's a nice change of pace to have the sun coming through when we're exactly. recording as exactly. opposed to like, you know, drinking coffee and trying to stay awake. <laughs> exactly. Or whatever we drink for. Well, yeah, it depends, depends on coffee. Depends on the day. Depends. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's not always coffee. <laughs> exactly. Well, I can't believe that we're already uh at this point in the season, I know I swear I probably say this every episode, but it's just considering uh, the expectations by everyone ahead of the start of this season and where we're at. I'm excited to kind of actually take a moment today and and talk to you about like really where things are and actually take a second and you know take that step back and look at what they've done and accomplished. Um, I, you know, and we're we're going to get to you know how how we view the season thus far, and and go go backwards a little bit in thinking what our initial expectations of this team mm-hmm. was before the season even started when we saw the significant roster changes. Yeah. Um. Yep. To 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 this group, but but before we do that. I just want to briefly uh, talk about NHL All-Star Weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because, frankly, it doesn't deserve a lot of time. <laughs> and I know that I had indicated mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to spend much time watching, but I did anyways because, again, we're, we're doing this show. We want to present ourselves as, you know, intelligent relatively knowing hockey fans, but can I tell you, I fell asleep during the skills competition. That's that my favorite. It, it was so <laughs> flipping lame in my view, my opinion, just one woman's opinion <laughs> and boring. And can I also just say, Nikita. Uh, oh my God. I knew you were going to go there. Cause I was ready to go there. If you didn't <laughs> like, if I don't you, know what the rules are. About like what? Like first of all, if you don't want to be there, if you don't want to be there, okay, 
take the game suspension and stay the hell home. But even if you wanted to participate, did someone force you to sign up for the skills competition where you I don't know. make a total and unmitigated ass of yourself? I know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly. He, how did he perform? Because the funny thing is, so I watched the skills competition and I didn't watch the actual game. So did he, was he participatory in the game? It was the skills competition. Right. So I just wonder, like, if I wonder if he brought that same attitude to the game itself, the game itself, the game itself, he seemed to have a very, a very different approach. Yeah. So then why? I don't, yeah, I wish I knew what idols were. I don't know where the disconnect was, but Uh honestly, you know, I, I don't even remember which skills competition he was in first where Again, for savvy hockey fans now, again, you're playing in Toronto. And I think those folks know their hockey. And they can distinguish between... Oh, you don't even have to know your hockey to know right. that the guy was... distinguish when a guy is being like half-assed or, or really he's, he's a fish out of water in this competition. Yeah. And by the time it got to this particular, you know, accuracy passing skill mm-hmm. he was downright being booed off the ice and rightfully so yeah. rightfully so and yeah. it wasn't even the playful booing that pasta yeah. was getting right uh, just because he was wearing a bruins jersey yes this was downright booing because you sir mm-hmm. suck right now <laughs> yeah. yeah that was just poor sportsmanship and i'm super curious how players get to participate in the skills competition and you know i don't know maybe maybe he didn't have a choice i don't know but that was just awful but i will say uh as someone who has watched specifically the skills competition forever uh this one for me landed right in the middle of the pack because there were good things that i liked and other things that i hated like and i mean hated there were the things that i didn't like I really didn't like, but I will say the couple of things that I really liked about this um, was actually the second half of the skills competition. The, the, the tests were actually really great because um, it got the guys really moving. So I enjoyed the the one-on-one with the goalies. I thought that was good. I saw the guys were like really trying because I think those were actual like legit challenges that they had never done before. And and all of these guys have a level of competitiveness, right? They're just always going to compete, whether it's who's going to be the first one to walk out the door or, you know, something like they're always trying to compete. So I thought that one was great. I really liked the obstacle course um, at the end. I thought that was entertaining um, and a good test of their skills because these guys are excellent, right? Um, and then I liked the one, oh, what the heck was it? It was Pasta did it and he missed the net at the very end of it. I can't remember, although most of the guys, only three guys actually did that challenge correctly because there was a portion where you were supposed to be skating with the puck backwards. And literally it was Pasta, Hughes, and I want to say maybe Barzell. 
were the only guys, maybe Pedersen, who actually skated backwards. The rest of them like skated backwards halfway and then turned around and skated forward. I'm like, that's not the point, but whatever. Um, And I thought there was maybe one more that I can't remember, but like, I did like the one timer one. However, I will say it was low energy because they weren't doing slap shots. But the thing is, and the announcers made a comment um, because Pasta and someone else I am now not remembering were the only two players who actually did the one timers as slappers. And the commentators had said something to the effect of like, oh, I think that's what the league kind of had in mind when they planned this. And it's like, I get that. But like, do you even pay attention to how your players are playing today? Like, like slap shots are not the most like they're not very common anymore. Anymore, Uh, It's very, very popular to do the snapshot, which is what every one of the other guys was doing. So that's kind of on you, League, for thinking this was 30 years ago. Um, I hated the passing one. That was stupid as hell. Um, well, the, and yeah. the players, I think, were they, Nathan McKinnon, I think he was the first one who went in that drill. Yeah. And I think we got porked because there was still confusion about what am I supposed to be doing here? Well, well yeah. And Barzell made an excellent point. He's like the passing to a static object is actually harder and not in game play and he's right because like if you spend your whole life training to do a pass you're executing that pass while you are moving and the destination the target is moving so now to be like doing that and skating but then having to pass like it's not that's not natural like that's not how they play the game and so I I just thought it was really boring and of course all the announcers were like oh this was so hard I'm like it no it was dumb it was dumb and um it was lame uh you know and again maybe they saved the quote-unquote best skills for last but i slipped through it at that point (laughs) i'm like i'm so done with this (laughs) the stuff that i i didn't like the stuff that i hated i'm consistently disappointed by um nhl live productions which is hilarious because Every game is a live production. So I don't understand how they can do a decent job with doing a a live game. But this was terrible. Whoever picked the music, it was terrible. It was putting people to sleep. The music was awful. The production, the sound quality was awful. And then quite frankly, at the end of the day, and I said this in the previous podcast, I'm like, these guys are out there. They're not uh, amping up their compete because of a million dollars. I'm sorry. Austin Matthews makes like what? $15 million a year. So first of all, stop saying that they're all getting competitive because of that. And second of all, read the room. Like people are struggling to pay their rent and pay for groceries. And I got to sit here and watch these guys who are millionaires compete for chump change. What is chump change to them? Like that was uh, distasteful. I thought and I was also really annoyed that there were no real goalie skills. Yeah. I thought last year they were really clever and out of outside of the box um, in 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 involving the goaltenders because I know it, you know it's hard with the goalies 
to get them involved in that. But like last year, they had a shooting competition with the goaltenders. They had uh, Shesterkin participating in the dunk tank shooting competition with forward skaters. Like that was fantastic and outside of the box. And I loved it. This was just a super disappointing. And then, you know, oh, the goaltender with the most saves wins $100,000. First of all, why are they making so much less than those other guys? And secondly, you are doing raw numbers of shooting shots stopped instead of a save percentage? What? Like, uh, I've, I've, I've said it once uh, and I'll say it a thousand times. All-star games... In whatever professional sports league Mm -hmm. has them are solely money grabs by the leagues themselves and by the owners who own the buildings where those events are taking place. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So anyways, enough about the all-star game. What else is going on, Maria? Yeah. So I know, I know, I know. We spent more time than I wanted to. That's my fault. I'll take blame for it. Um, Just pisses me off. Here's one more thing I'm going to (laughs) get. I got to get off my chest. Okay. All right. Lay it on me. Pasta was in one of these skills competitions. Okay. Yeah. He had a goal taken away from him. Now, the the situation room in Toronto took no time at all to take a goal away from him yet. That very same situation rule. What are the real games going on, folks? Can't, can't figure out video reviews fast enough. Can't overturn things the right way fast enough. What I mean, that to me was another like you're joking right now, right? With well, this, you know gonna- how you know how there's this whole saying out there, and I've heard it on a million podcasts. Well, the NHL hates goal scoring. They hate goal scoring so much that they will take away a goal at an all-star game where it doesn't matter. Like, the rules don't apply. Nobody playing to win. With the speed of lightning, they did it. In, in, in real game time situations, right? We can't get them to look, look on their screens because we know they have every game. Right in front of them every freaking night when three stooge officials, four officials, totally botched calls. Give me a break. Uh, It's so bad it even bled into the (laughs) All-Star Jesus. I can't help myself. Uh, I I saw that and then I read that and I'm like, are we serious here with this right now? uh They took uh away a goal in an All-Star game, but they can't get other stuff done in a timely manner or do Uh it at all? Uh Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Anywho, yep. the other the other two big pieces of information that came out of um, All Star Weekend was the league announcing that mm. the players will be participating in the Olympics in Milan, Italy. In Are we sure? Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's see how that works. Fine. Believe it. Yeah. The, the, the bigger piece of information and the more kind of you know it's just around the corner is the announcement of this uh, Four Nations tournament Mm -hmm. that is going to take place in Boston, (laughs) Toronto, which is exciting, you know, for any of us fans within those geographic locations. Here's here's where you have to say to yourself, this is why the NHL can't get out of their own goddamn way. Yep. They announced this tournament. They have 
four player representatives Mm -hmm. from each country sitting on the stage with them where we have Connor McDavid representing what would be Team Canada, Mm -hmm. Austin Matthews representing Mm -hmm. what will be Team USA, Sebastian Ajo representing Team Finland, and Elias Pettersson representing Team Sweden. Who's missing? (laughs) Anybody out there want to tell me who's missing from this tournament? There's a lot of people missing, and it's absolutely mind-boggling, and I don't understand. There are so many many things. Like, if for some reason, who I don't know, the league was saying we really want to showcase some of our Scandinavian players, fine, then don't call it a, a, a world internet like competition like then just call it like you know north america versus scandinavia because i cannot believe that they are not going to have russian and czech players participating in this specifically because uh it's in boston first of all and the last season i remember this insane statistic about the team that last year the Boston Bruins had 20% of all Czech players in the league on the roster. (laughs) And you have a guy who for two years in a row is on pace to be scoring an obscene number of goals. This man is a magician out there and you didn't think about him and these Russian players. My God, I was looking at the list of active players. How how do you have how do you have a nation tournament when you have the likes of folks, the following players who will be sitting home doing nothing while this is going on? Okay, all right. First and foremost, our boy David Pasternak. Okay, will be sitting watching this tournament. Pavel Zaka sitting watching this tournament. Okay. Ovechkin, Malkin, Kucherov, Panarin, Tarasenko, Kuznetsnov. I mean, it it goes it goes on and on and on and on. The four four best stupid. The four best goaltenders, arguably, who have consistently been the four best goaltenders in the league for the last five years. In Sorokin, Shosturkin, um, Bobrovsky, and Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky. Not, uh, not a one of them not is participating them. in this. Okay. It's but this, this is how, this is your idea, Gary, and the rest of your buffoons mm-hmm. of how you grow your, mm-hmm. your league, how you grow the sport of hockey, mm-hmm. that you create a tournament where you don't find a way to be as inclusive as you can be of the greatest players showcasing the greatest talents you have in your league. Now, I'm not taking away anything from any of the other teams because right. those teams are going to be loaded with yeah. great players. Sure. My, my issue is how do you do this? And I don't know. Include. All of these great players in your league. 
especially considering if you look at the um the world juniors um both basically the the men's and then the the women's uh version of it the fact that the Czech Republic had meddled in those games as well like the Czech Republic beat Canada they knocked them out of world juniors like you know that this is a it's a small country um but like the players who are from that country are really really good like i had to look up the list of finnish players versus czech players cuz i was like man i can't think of like anyone particularly notable off the top of my head who is currently active from finland and so i looked at the list i'm like okay i recognize some of these names but then i went and pulled up the czech list and i was like oh but there's like a, some pretty serious talent on the checklist like what i don't know i don't know maria i don't make the rules uh I, i'm not in charge but those, those what are you doing i don't know but here, here here's the other piece of tea though that i really liked in mm-hmm. that um marty walsh is now <laughs> the head of the nhl players association i love and that he didn't mince he didn't mince any words uh, when it came to addressing the situation with the arizona arizona coyotes I agree. all right here's here's what he he said if there's no plan in arizona i would encourage a move to another location yeah i think the league feels that arizona is a good market and i can understand that the issue i have and the players have is how long do they wait to get a home they're playing in a college arena and they're the second tenant in that arena. This is mm-hmm. not the way to run a business. Right. And in, in, in addition to that, he's he also stated that the um, the league or the Coyotes ownership, they've already missed like two or three deadlines mm-hmm. when it comes to getting this resolved. So you know what? I, I can't wait to see them all rolling in the mud over this because Marty Walsh is going to hold the yeah. legs meet to the fire. And I'm so glad that the players association has an advocate. Mm. Finally, a true advocate who's not afraid yeah. to say what he needs to say on their behalf. Yeah. The man has a backbone and I've been saying it since I remember finding out about the fact that, uh, the team has to play at mullet arena and seeing the pictures and just thinking, how are the players feeling about this? Because, like, that's just unacceptable. And, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that Mullet Arena is a dump. You know, it's a very nice college arena. But that's the thing, right? Like, these guys are professional hockey players, and they're used to a certain standard of, you know, visiting an arena. And it's not even an arena. That's the problem. It's 10,000 seats fewer than the next smallest arena, which is Winnipeg. So I just, I, again, thinking about being a hockey player and it's being a place of work, you know, we're talking about not optimal work environment. That's, I just, I'm really curious of what he's going to do and what he can do because I don't know, but I'm very curious. And I'm so glad when I heard him come out and talk about that, I was like, yes, please. Because yeah. I just don't know what market 
Right. I, I don't spend any time getting to it either. <laughs> I know. I just, I don't understand what market Gary Bettman thinks is there because this team has been there for um, 30, 30 years, 25, 30 years, right? I can't remember, maybe mid 90s. Um, they came into the uh, expansion in the mid 90s with a couple of other teams. And I mean, I have a post about this on my my blog where it's like, here's a, here's a handful. Uh, I think I looked at five uh, expansion teams from the mid 90s. Uh, and I've looked at how they've done since then. And every single one of them, except for Arizona, has improved. You know, maybe some of them have had their ups and downs like Florida. But look at where Florida is today. They're on the up and up. You know, the Ducks had their moment in the sun, uh, you know, uh, over a decade ago. Um, like all of them have done something and they have all, because of that, have been able to establish a fan base in the area in spite of going through maybe some rough patches, right? Arizona has accomplished neither of those things. And I would say there's not a fan base anywhere there because the voters didn't even want the arena to be built. They said no. Multiple and, and times. How, how, how arrogant as a league are you that you talk about introducing another franchise I know. in Salt Lake City when you can't even get this Arizona situation mm -hmm. straightened out, and it, this is not a small sample size with this franchise. This mm -hmm. this this nonsense has been going on for years. Decades. When they were called the Phoenix Coyotes, then we changed their name to the Arizona Coyotes. Okay, fix what's broken first. The league had to take over ownership at one point. Right. This like, is not a new issue. And and I think that was I think that was Marty kind of sounding the you know the warning or firing the warning shot. Listen, yep. you bet you best get it better get this straightened out before you talk about right expanding the league. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I was thrilled to hear him talk about that. Yeah, definitely. All right. So now now we're going to move on to talk about our Boston Bruins. We yeah. are at yay. We are <laughs> finally. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I know. Um, midway point of the season. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, any any number of us had some maybe and I'll maybe I'll just speak for myself, mm. um, limited expectations coming into the 2023-2024 season, knowing the team's the team's dire caps um cap situation. Yeah. Knowing that we were moving on, or Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci were moving on from us, mm -hmm. and thinking, okay, I wonder what, I wonder what kind of a team, I wonder, mm -hmm. you know, where they'll be. Eh, in my mind, I said, if they're middle of the pack, I'll be happy. I just yep. want them to get in the playoffs. Yep. I don't know what your thoughts are. Were, yeah, I think I had enough faith in the system um and the culture to think that they would they would make playoffs. Yeah. I don't think I really had any doubt. I think I was 
hopeful, but trying to be realistic for sure. You know, I think if I, if I had made a guess as to where I thought they would be today, I probably would have said, well, you know, like third in the division would be a good, like a good them doing well. That's, I think, probably where I would have guessed, you know, back in August. So now what, what, now we'll tell you folks factually (laughs) where they really are. Yep. And right, right now the Bruins are sitting in second place overall in points percentage in the league with 0.724. Vancouver's edging out the Bruins right now because they have more regulation wins than the Bruins do. The Bruins have taken some hits because they've had a lot of overtime games and Mm. they haven't come out on the extra point end of a lot of those games. They are sitting in goals against, sitting at 26 out of 32 teams, which is a good stat. Yes. Because they're only, to date, they've only given up 127 goals. Winnipeg still leads the league um, in allowing the fewest goals with 108. Now, these are all stats from Hockey Reference, folks, so I'm not making them up. (laughs) Uh, If you want to fact check me, you can. If I made a mistake, please feel free to correct me. The Bruins are second overall in save percentage in the league with .918. This is the stat that I was most worried about with the loss of of Krejci and, and Bergeron. Mm-hmm. They are sitting sixth in the league mm-hmm. in goals four, mm-hmm. which is not too shabby with 171. Oh, nice. yeah. Their PK seventh overall at 82.78%. That's been dropping. Power play is fifth mm-hmm. overall at 26%. That is mind boggling. <laughs> yep. <laughs> middle, middle of the pack when it comes to shots. Okay. They're, um, 17th overall mm-hmm. and they're fifth overall in goals per game right now where they score 3.49 they get three almost three and a half goals per game <laughs> so you know what now i think that that last stat still might be a little shy of last season yeah but it's certainly better than what the expectation was oh yeah so, and to me, I, it's a no-brainer to say this team is exceeding expectations, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Like, they're not just doing better than I hoped. I mean, they're just objectively doing very well because they are clearly uh, second place overall, um, which was absolutely not on my bingo card at all. Not at all. So I'm thrilled. I think I'm very happy in spite of a December that was not uh, great, was kind of painful. Yeah. But fortunately, everyone else has also had adversity, which is something that they did not encounter. No. And they, yeah, they still came out. They still came out on top. Yeah. 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 And that's a credit to the players themselves, Mm -hmm. the leadership. That starts with Brad Marchand mm-hmm. and the other assistants on the team, and even yep. those veterans who I'm sure are, you know, yep. helping helping with yep. with the leadership load, yep. the coaching staff. Yes, 
Yep. And I think it's just, again, it's a testament to Monty's style and approach that, you know, he's still able to get something out of these guys, even without, you know, Patrice Bergeron there on the bench too. Because I think there was some of that criticism that, you know, he wasn't doing all the coaching. Um, So, I mean, Bergie's not there and they're still getting it done. (laughs) So here's, here's my, you know, what, what I think I need to see Mm -hmm. in the second half Mm -hmm. to have confidence for a longer playoff run than last season. I'm not, I'm not ever going to say deep playoff run, a longer playoff run than last season. Okay. Mm -hmm. I need to see consistency out of Jake DeBrusque production, continued consistency production out of Jake DeBrusque. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like Danton Heinen, right? Uh, Trent Frederick, who's been like just, um, to me, one of the biggest surprises of mm. the season as far as I'm concerned. You know, the, the, the pastas and the marshies and I think even, you know, the Charlie Coils and, you know, the McAvoys. Those guys, you know what you're going to get yeah, from them. Yeah. Season after season, game after game, shift after shift. Right. But it's those guys after that cut line that mm-hmm. they, need to, they need to bring it, and they need to bring it every night in the second half of the season. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, what I want to see maybe more on a um, – team-wide level, not specific to individuals, is I want to see continued scoring depth. So kind of to what you were saying about some individuals, but like really still seeing a wide variety of goal scorers every single night, all the way up and down uh, the lines. Um, And I want to see more on-time starts because... I think the Carolina game is a really good example of how, yes, this Bruins team has the ability to dig deep and really make it happen for them, but it took too long and they literally ran out of time and gas because they had to use everything that was left in their tank to make it happen in the third period. And then they just didn't have anything left to give. So I kind of want to see uh, less of that, and I want to see a continuation of the depth scoring. So a positive thing and a constructive criticism from me on that. There, there, there is another guy that you know I do want to see be more productive scoring wise in the second half of the season, and that's Pavel Zaka. He's he's doing other things. Yeah, that. But we need is, that depth. We need him to be but, scoring goals yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, we, we, yeah. The, yeah. He need he needs he needs to start shooting more again. He need he needs yeah. to just start shooting. So yeah. Um, but you know, short short of that, I think we you know we can. I, I know that I can say I this is far exceeding what mm-hmm. I had expected coming into the 2023-2024 season. So now, Boston Bruins, you've set my expectations at a certain level, <laughs> and you need to maintain yeah. that same level. 
and that same standard that you set in the first half of the season and have it carry over into the second half of the season. Not, I mean, not to say that there won't be some bumps in the road, mm-hmm. which is expected because every team, every, every good team has, has hit them in the first yeah. half of the season. I mean, Certainly. look at what's happening to the New York Rangers. Holy moly. Yeah. They yeah. are just some bad timing on their part. <laughs> really bad timing, you know, and maybe this, this all-star reset is what, what they needed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, we need, I need to see that, that same consistent level of play and, mm-hmm. and we, we just need to stay in good health. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. So with that, shall we uh, give out our mid-season NHL awards? Yeah, let's let's <laughs> do excited. this. Let's do I'm this excited. and see where we uh, where we may be on the same page and where we yes. may not be on the same page. I have a funny feeling that we'll be on the same page on quite a number of these. But I agree. Um, yes, yeah. For our listeners, uh, Maria and I chose the awards and then independently chose. The winners. So neither of us knows at this moment who's uh, got who for each award. So we'll 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 read the uh, the name of the award, kind of remind you of what that award is. Um, share who won it last year to give you kind of a sense of what the industry standard is, so to speak, and then and then we'll share who we picked. <laughs> yeah, and again, folks, these are just based on what. Carolyn and I have both been watching mm-hmm. during the first half of the Boston Bruins season. Yep. All right. And then also we threw in a couple of uh, non-NHL awards. So we have chosen for uh, Nesson's seventh player award, who we would give uh, the seventh player award to. Um who we think is our most consistent and reliable player, who's our best overall player. Uh, And then as a pet peeve of mine, um, when it comes to defensive awards, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but we have split the Norris Trophy into two awards, one for the most offensive defenseman and one for the most um, all-around best defensive defensive player. Because that's two very different things. And I think that the Norris Trophy, they're watering it down. But anyways. I agree with you. I agree with you. They're watering down how they're awarding it, but then they won't. They should right. change the definition of it based on yeah. how they've been awarding yeah. it. So, yeah. Exactly. We'll, we'll, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what's our first award, Maria? Um, we are going to start with the Hart Memorial Trophy. Uh-huh. And now these are definitions, folks, that I took from um, Wikipedia based on the league definitions. So the Hart Memorial Trophy is awarded to the player judged most valuable to his team. The original trophy was donated to the league by Dr. David A. Hart, father of Coach Cecil Hart. Last year's winner, the current holder, is Connor McJesus. Also, <laughs> Connor McDavid. Yep. Yep. All right. On the count of three, let's say the person's last name. Are you ready? 
Because I think we're the same. Two, (laughs) one, two, three. Pass it up. (laughs) Just listen, I know carbs are bad for you, but give me all the pasta I can eat. I know. All right. I know. Again. And I know this is probably like, oh, God, you guys didn't challenge yourself. (laughs) But it is what it is at this point. In, in the season. I will say, I if I uh, had to make the case for someone else, I feel like I could very, very easily make the case uh, for the goaltenders as a tandem because the number of games where they are the literal reason why the Bruins came away with a point, let alone two, they would have lost those games with someone else in net. So there is a very good uh, yeah, argument to be made for that as well. Very, very valid point. But, right. so, you know, let me just, I mean, in addition to the fact that Pasta um, leads leads the team in just about every scoring category, yeah. 33 goals, he should hit the 50-goal mark. 60 might be a stretch this season. We'll, we'll see. Um, 39 assists. And he's fourth on the team in average ice time where he's playing about 20 minutes a game, 19.55. Pretty good. He's also, he's also third in the league overall. So not only um, he's got 33 goals and he's um, third overall in the league for total points. So right. not only do we consider him to be our most valuable player, he should, he should get consideration as league. MVP he should get votes as well. Sure. Yeah. He should for get sure. votes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll uh, read us the second one that we went with. Uh, Lady Bing uh, awarded to the player who exhibited outstanding sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. Um, so last year's award winner at current holder is Anze Kopitar from LA. Uh, I like to to I liken this particular award to um, you know who's who's out there who's got the highest uh, standards you know in terms of uh, like ethical play and playing the right way uh, not just with good sportsmanship but you know they finish their plays they they finish that pass they they don't skate slowly to the bench you know what I'm saying it's the, who's out there doing the right thing by their play by their teammates um so who did you pick i my my winner in this category is is charlie Coyle. yes we do <laughs> i mean you know he, I mean, the guy he, apologized to a ref when he bumped right. him while celebrating his hat trick i don't know he he goes about his business with little to no trash talking he, he leaves that is. yeah he leaves that to 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 Captain Marshy, when he hits you, it's a clean it's a clean hit. Yes. Um, yep. you know it, uh, he he has twenty six. He's sixth overall on the team with twenty six penalty minutes. But I'm gonna I'm gonna caveat that by saying based on based on the officiating this season, I'm not putting a ton of weight into that because some of those were garbage penalties. Right. He he's just an overall good guy. Both. Yep. On the ice and off the ice too, yeah. and 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 maybe I have a little bias because I've I've met him personally and I've been able to he's have good people. He's good 
people. people. He will he will engage with you. He will talk to you, and he's turning out to be a damn fine hockey player. Yep. Yep. All right. What's next, Maria? The next award is the Vesna Trophy, which mm-hmm. is awarded to the league's top goaltender. Indeed. Who have you got? I chose Jeremy Swayman. I, I picked the same. Yeah, I did too. And, I, and I, I think I said it on the podcast not too long ago where if I had to pick a number one goalie this season, yeah. it's, it's Jeremy Swayman. And it's not because Linus Allmark is not good this year by any stretch of the imagination. Just Swayman, who has always been also very good, has is just next level this season. It's like all of a sudden, a lot of the guys, quite frankly, have somehow just been able to raise their compete level. And, you know, some of that is probably thanks to Marshy, because he's just like, he's never settling for anything less than, even better than you were the last time out on the ice, so... And, you know, and again, I did a little stat checking with regard to this one when it comes to Sway. And, you know, he's 10th overall in the league in save percentage, which you say, eh, what's the big deal? But he's played 14 less games than the current leader, who is um, Gorgiev of of Colorado. (laughs) And and he's played, I mean, Gorgiev has played in just about every single one of the abs. Yeah, that is so, that's old school at this point. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, the fact that that uh, Swayman is pretty much splitting his time, he's played yeah. He's played just maybe less than a handful more games than Linus has because of the, the um, injury that Linus just came back from. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, his, his Swayman's goals against average is Crazy. 2.30, which is, is, at, yeah. is, is a top. Top of the league stats. Yeah. So well, and playing in that tandem um allows him to physically recover and play at an even more elite level because he's not putting his body through the ringer, um, like with some of these other goaltenders. So I think it's all for a good reason. I think it's worth it. <laughs> all right. I, I agree with you. So uh next we've got our Calder. Memorial Trophy, so awarded to the yeah. most outstanding rookie player. So essentially, who's the best rookie on our team this year? And you know, we sat and thought, you know, okay, who's going to actually qualify for this? And we uh, agreed that there were three players who met the qualifications: uh, Matt Patra, John Beecher, and Mason Lowry. Uh, however, I will admit that. Um, they, I'm not saying that they were they're not good and that they're failing to meet reasonable expectations. I would say that nobody at this point in the season has been truly like outstanding, like obviously Bedard or Adam Fantilli. But those guys kind of are uh in a in a totally different league for me and Probably some higher than uh, reasonable expectations were placed on our three rookies. Um, so I don't know that I really want to like necessarily give them an award for meeting expectations. So I'm going to be a stinker and say pass. 
I I struggled with this one. I mean, you honestly, in in the interest of fair disclosure, Carolyn had to tell me who qualified. (laughs) Okay. So I I was like, I, I, I got nothing on this one other than again, we, we don't have anybody quote a rookie that is standing out. Right now. Are they, are they, these younger players doing what is expected of them? Yes. Yeah. Did they stand out? And it's hard on a team like the Boston Bruins where you're going to be in the minority. It's again, it's not like uh, Chicago or Columbus where the team and the fan base are looking to you as a rookie it, with all their hopes and dreams pinned to you because they got nothing else right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's kind yeah. of hard to also just, you know, so yeah, eh, they're fine. They're fine. They're equal in my eyes, and there isn't one that really is sticking out for me. No, no. So we just wanted to at least give them, you know, some um, credit for the fact that, you know, they're doing what is expected of them Mm -hmm. and also getting NHL playing experience and continuing their growth and development. Right. Exactly. That's as far as I can go with that one. Yep. All right. So what do we got next? Um, okay. The next one, we just did the Calder. Um, so the next one is the James Norris. Yes. And again, I, I, this, this is something that sticks in your craw. So folks listen very carefully to the definition (laughs) of this award awarded to the defenseman who demonstrates throughout the season, the greatest all around ability in the position. Now, maybe that's subject to interpretation, but that to me means both offensively and defensively. Think Ray Bork. There's a reason the man was nominated pretty much every single year of his career. <laughs> um, and so last, and the reason we're, we're saying this kind of somewhat um, cynically is because last year it was awarded to Eric Carlson, who, yes, had a boatload of points as a defenseman, but he was a minus yeah. for the entirety right. of the season, which, right. you know, stirred up a little bit of, I don't want to say controversy, but conversation around this award. So right. how is that, how is that greatest all around? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, a defenseman's primary role is to defend, not to score goals. And I feel like in the last handful of years, it's just been going to uh, a defenseman who is good at his job, but then also has scored, you know, goals, like a ton of goals. And, And I think that kind of bothers me. So for our uh, fun little uh, award ceremony, we're going to split it into the most defensive defenseman who on the Boston Bruins uh, is the standard for what a good defenseman should be, right? Like in a dog show and you measure them to the standard, who is the standard for a defensive defenseman? And then who is the modern day Norris trophy winner type who is defensive and offensive. So, so 
Okay. This, this to me is a no brainer when you're, when you're talking about the defensive defenseman this season. Uh-huh. I think we're going to have the same. Brandon Carlo. Exactly. Hands yeah. Hands same. down. This, this kid, you want to talk about kind of a, I don't want to say a surprise because mm. I've been wanting and expecting this from the time he set foot on the ice as a young skater playing with Zidane Chara. Yeah. But this player has been a beast yeah. this season for the Bruins. Yeah. You want to talk about a true d- developing into, if he's not already there, shutdown defenseman oh. for the Boston Bruins? Yeah. That's Brandon Carlo. Now, all of our other defensemen, except for, let's see, Lindholm, um, has played all, in all games. McAvoy missed a few games. Yep. And Brandon Carlo missed a few games. Yeah. But Brandon Carlo has the highest plus minus on, mm-hmm. on the team, not just for yep. defensemen, on the team yep. <laughs> at, at 23. Yep. Okay. Yeah. He, he's a plus Rachel. 23. Okay. He is also right at the top of the food chain when it yep. comes to total time on ice. Mm-hmm. That he's sharing with Lindholm and McAvoy. So yep. Charlie's Charlie's playing about 25 minutes a game. Lindholm is about 24. And right behind them is Carlo with 20 minutes a game. Now, Carlo yep. doesn't play on the PK. The other two guys do. Right. 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 So I also um was I I continue to be pleasantly surprised by Brandon Carlo. You know, two years ago, my opinion going into the start of that Cinderella season was this is this last guy's chance. If he can't be useful on the ice, they need to seriously consider trading him. Um, And part of it, I think part of his transformation has been a couple of things. Again, one, People have heard us talk about this all the time, that the system that Monty really believes in is truly empowering defensive players. And so he's obviously uh, benefited greatly from this particular style of coaching as a defenseman. But also um, his age has a lot to do with it. You know, uh, defensive players, so defensemen and then ultimately goaltenders, kind of come into their maturity as with their skill set later in their 20s than, say, offensive players, right? So a defenseman might really only start to truly hit his stride and his skills and his abilities until uh, 27, 28 years old. Sometimes goaltenders are 28, 29. So, and Brandon Carlo uh, just turned 27 back in November. So it's kind of like the perfect storm and I'm, I'm thrilled. I love Brandon Carlo now. Like I am sold on this man. Don't ever let him go anywhere else. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because, you know, not so long ago, maybe, you know, even up until like two or three seasons ago, I was just on the, like, when is this kid going to just have his coming out party? Like how mm-hmm. long are we going to wait? Do we utilize him as a trade asset? And so right. shows you what, what I know, which is nothing. Nah. <laughs> but but you you could see you could see his ability 
in snippets. And yeah. when when he plays with a little bit of snarl, man, because he's I, huge, he's enormous, he's huge. <laughs> he's yes. And I know I've I've learned that that's not a normal and customary part of his game to play with that snarl. He's and he not a in, Yeah, no, and he picks and chooses his spots mm-hmm. as to when he he uses that you know that yeah. part of his game. I I I wish he would use it a little bit more sometimes just a little bit more but um other than that yeah the, the he's 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 to me right now if he, if you asked me who the Bruins number one defenseman is right. I'd say Brandon Carlo yeah I agree no hesitation yeah. no right. hesitation yeah the most reliable the most consistent the most contributing best defense best defensive player yeah 100% uh in terms of our Modern day Norris Trophy definition. Uh, who you got? Uh, you know, this is probably an easy one. Yeah, but well, I say it's an easy one, but um, you know, it, Charlie McAvoy clearly has the statistics. Yeah, to fit that right now. Okay, um, so he, you know, his he's he's a plus player. He contributes offensively he's got mm-hmm. a boatload of assists he's got a total i believe of 33 points on the season so it, it it's it's charlie but again you know charlie is another guy that you know i sometimes want and need to see more of i agree he's yep. he's big he's bruising he can he can lay that smackdown hit mm-hmm. that can change the trajectory of a game. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie's got it. Charlie's got to do it more often. Yeah. He's got to do it more often. Yeah. I agree. But I think he's still going to, he's still aging, you know, <laughs> he's going to age into it for sure. No, no, I know. I know. I forget that, you know, he's, he's young in years, but is he still, is he still young by hockey standards? I don't know. Um, by hockey uh, yeah, I mean he's 26, so I would say as a defenseman, yeah, he's just coming into it. Really. Like this is the this year and next season, I think uh you know, will match the aging in timeline like with Brandon Carlo and I think if Charlie's going to be you know, moving into that next tier that everyone says like he's going to be this thing, I think we'll start to see it um, in the next year or so. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, So we've just got a couple left. Uh, I can read in uh, the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy is awarded to the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. Effectively, who's had the hardest time and yet consistently shows up and gives their all? Who you got? I I really struggled with this. I mean, <laughs> you know, again, what player isn't dedicated sure. to perseverance, sportsmanship, dedication of hockey? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I look to the leaders of this team. So yeah. I could say it could be any one of the players on this team that that are carrying a letter or the trio of mm-hmm. them. Because they need to set the example mm-hmm. for the rest of the team to follow. Yeah. So you know, maybe I'd go with 
our captain and our mm-hmm. assistant captains on mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, that's pretty good for the dedication to hockey. I actually ended up going with JD, and I'll tell you why. Oh, interesting. Um, because I feel like I've seen uh, different versions of Jake DeBrusque over the last couple of years. You know, he came in as the young guy, uh, real hot, and then kind of was very inconsistent. Um, my biggest criticism of him in the past has been, you know, if things don't go his way, uh, or if he's challenged too much, he'll, he, he won't maintain it. He'll just then give up. He'll be a lazy player. And then, of course, you know, he got he received tutelage from uh, Bergeron and from uh, Martian. And we finally saw him kind of become this tremendous player. And the reason why I picked him for that this year is because he just came off of a year and a half of playing at that top line and and being this kid who can just perform and so well and uh he didn't have that at the start of this year and the season didn't really start off in his favor and he was really struggling. And there's, I'm sure tremendous pressure to perform because you know, it's his contract year and all, but what I didn't see happen this season that I had seen in previous seasons was an attitude, like a negative attitude about it all that in spite of, Everything happening, you know, where it, he 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 wasn't getting the goals and, and he was getting moved up and down and he even got benched uh, a game or scratched a game because he was late. You know, I feel like old JD would have had a chip on his shoulder and it would have shown in his game. And instead, what I have seen is a guy who just consistently still says, my game is there. It's it's going to come back. It's, you know, the goals are going to come. And that positive attitude, while we still haven't seen uh, the goal production that we've seen from him over the last year and a half, um, he's still dedicating everything he has to the game. And it has shown up as him being a playmaker and he's contributing and he's assisting. And like, to me, that is him pushing through and being dedicated in spite of crap being, you know, thrown at him. They had a really crummy start to the season. So that's why I've chosen him. <laughs> I'll accept that. No, I can accept that. And yeah. I'm I'm not sure I agree with it, but <laughs> <laughs> he's still, you know, because I see like old JD, he would have given up. And he's not given up in spite of a, a rough start, you know? So that to me is that motivation in spite of it all. Uh, our last regular uh, real award, man, how could you pick a Frank Well, Dizel first of all, this, the name <laughs> of this award needs to be changed yes. immediately. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To the Patrice Bergeron Award, yep. folks. Yep. Enough, enough said. So you know enough. what? award we're referring to which is the selkie trophy Mm -hmm. and that is awarded to the forward who best excels in the defensive aspects of the game Mm -hmm. your your thoughts on this one oh this was so hard um because like in my mind 
Patrice Bergeron is the definition of this award. And like he is, he's, there is no other player like him. Um, so I struggled with this one, but get ready <laughs> for my choice. And if I, I might have oh, to explain it, I might have to explain it. I chose Brad Marchand. Interesting. Uh, okay. I tell you yeah, what. You're, you're going to need to explain that one to me. You're going to need to explain that one to Okay. So his ability to um, chase after that puck for puck possession, if if things are going sideways, he's not giving up. He's going after it. He is, he is, if he was a dog, he would be a rat terrier. And not just because he looks like a rat, but because rat terriers, they go after those things. Uh, and to me, um, I find that to be invaluable. And uh, I mean, I think, yeah, that's that's kind of where my mind was when I was thinking of those defensive aspects is really a lot of the back checking and going after them and still like not being deterred by the fact that let's say they're on the PK and he's going to turn around and go and score a shorty. You know, he's, he's not letting any of that noise impact his uh, desire to go after wherever that puck is. He's not going to give it up. So that's where I, that's what I chose. Okay. Um, Yes, no, no, no. I, I, I went with the, um, the more traditional. Oh, I think I know who you picked. De- De- well, this was a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the statistics mm-hmm. for, for the Boston Bruins, okay. So I looked at, you know, um, face-off percentage, face-offs won, face-offs lost. Mm. Um, mm. Oh, you know, and I think I might know who yeah. you're going to pick. So I the now <laughs> I'm giving the edge. I'm giving the edge to Charlie Coyle. Yeah, over Pavel Zaka. Uh huh. Simply because, um, you know, I, I see more production offensively right now. Mm. Yeah. From Charlie, even even with the defensive skills. Yeah. And I know if you look at the, the face-off percentage wins, so Pavel Zaka edges out Charlie mm-hmm. by a little bit. Pavel mm-hmm. is at um 53.46%. Charlie Coyle's at 50.9%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, Char- Charlie's out there in more yeah. circumstances, I think. Yes. Too. Yeah. So that, you know, may skew yep. his statistics. If, mm-hmm. if if you hold my feet to the fire right now, I'd say it's it's Charlie over Pavel by a small margin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're neck and neck. I was thinking if I had to choose a center, I was thinking Zaka, but I think you're right. It's they're yeah. so close. Yeah. So, you know, taking aside the the face-off percentage in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, offensive output. Now, mm-hmm. again, Charlie's played in 49 games. Pavel Zaka's only played in 45. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both still 
plus players. Mm-hmm. Pavel's a plus eight. Charlie's a plus 12. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Charlie, Charlie's got 18 goals, 24 assists for 42 points. Pavel Zaka's got 10 goals, mm-hmm. 20 assists for 30 points. Now, yeah. here's where there's a little bit of a discrepancy, though. Um, you know, uh, Pavel Zaka has been using his his bodies, his body mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. He's been a, yeah. And, and he, he is a back checking machine. Oh yeah. His his back checking um, has been good, but I'm still giving the edge to, to, to my, to my friend, Charlie. Hey, I, I give the man all the awards. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then, so we've got two awards left. We'll kind of speed through them, but. So Nesson gives out their seventh player award and they define it as the Boston Bruin who has performed above and beyond expectations. That's the key piece. The seventh player award is given each year to the unsung hero on the team, the player that works hard every day for the good of the team without any expectation to be recognized. Uh, There's a lot of talk uh, out in the world about who should be or who people are expecting them. to pick uh but perhaps we have different opinions so who would you give that award to uh right now and, mm-hmm. and this is this is a tough one for me but mm-hmm. i think i would give it i had two two candidates in mind but mm-hmm. i'm gonna give it right now to trent frederick mm. why I give it to Trent frederick because Mm-hmm. He has been put in numerous different playing situations with mm-hmm. different line mates. And he has fallen into those lines seamlessly, number yep. one. And number two, he's helped with point production mm-hmm. on those lines. Now the uh, the other guy who's on the bubble for me and our friend Mo will probably like throw up in his mouth when he's <laughs> hears this. He already uh, has because you picked Trent Frederick. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, wait till he hears my next one. Oh Jesus! Dan- Danton Heinen might be in there too because mm. who who the heck knew what to expect out of this guy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this, so this is. I was trying to give it to Charlie right off the bat, Charlie Coyle, mm-hmm. but I know you know what? No, Charlie's doing what we've been waiting for him to do and expected him to do, right? So that might go a little beyond the definition for me of the Nesson mm-hmm. Seventh Player Award. Yeah. So I so f- first of all, uh, in case folks don't know the general chatter out in the podcast world, whatever sports media world, um, it, that it's Trent Frederick. He's kind of like the the one that people are all talking about right now. Uh, I ended up choosing Charlie Coyle. Now, I I hear what people are saying, like what you've just said about um, both of those players. However, for me, I, I, I did a deep dive at the end of last season looking at Trent Frederick um, because he was a, a free agent. And I saw what he was accomplishing last year. 
And so seeing his performance this year isn't a surprise to me. And again, to quote our friend Mo, uh, you know, he's he goes on a lot about how he doesn't understand why everybody is just so crazy for Trent Frederick. Um, and I said, my understanding is that people didn't see this coming. For me, I'm not, I'm not pro or against Trent Frederick. He's doing what I saw that he's able to do. So for me, he's meeting my expectations. Um, for me, Charlie Coyle is the one who is exceeding my expectations because I knew that he was an excellent player, but he had me convinced, convinced that he was not ever going to move up above 3C. And again, I've said this before, and I don't mean it in a negative way. That was his job. That was his role. And to see him be this, the one C is just mind-blowing. I did not ever expect that, that he would actually, that he had that much more to give. Uh, so that's why I picked Charlie Coyle. Um, our last award is, so we can kind of like do a little bit of a mixed bag. Super quick, um, kind of all the the general rest. So, like, who's the most consistent or reliable player, or who is the most improved to you um, since you know maybe the start of the season or the very end of last season? Um, what other kind of maybe miscellaneous awards would you be handing out today? Oof, because um, <laughs> I've got one definitely. I would. Yeah, well, you you go first then, because I need I need to think about this one. <laughs> so for me, the most improved award would actually go to Dan Heinen for me. Um, he's one that I I again I didn't have opinions on him going into the season like many other Bruins fans had, um, mostly because I just quite frankly didn't really remember him from before. <laughs> That's how memorable he was. To me, at least. Um, and he just, I'm just like, oh, you came out of nowhere. That's great. Most improved for me. Um, and then I would say also uh, the biggest surprise would be uh, Parker Wotherspoon. Uh, uh, where did you come out from? Of my mouth. He was, yeah, yeah, he was one of the guys that I was going to throw into my, um, yep. who saw that coming. Right. And, you know, my most consistent and reliable player is our captain, Brad Marchand. I know what I'm going to get pretty much every single night. And if, you know, if the situation calls for it where they need a someone to kick the team in the butt to get going, it's going to be him. He's always going to be operating at 110%. Um, and I can't really say that anyone has really disappointed or fallen short for me. I think everybody's, you had their ups and downs, right? Like some days Zaka will be great. Other days he might not have a great game or, or, you know, Lindholm. Um, so I, I'm really pleased that there's not really anyone who's kind of blown a tire for me this season. Yeah. So I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm a happy ruin. My, my 
again, my you know, my most reliable players player is is a series of players who uh-huh. we should come to expect a steady course uh-huh. of um solid, good, skilled, reliable, responsible hockey. Yeah. You know, and that that starts with Captain mm-hmm. Brad Marchand. Yep. Um, I know Pasta has his his moments, you know, it, it games here or there, or maybe he has some some hiccups, but that drum is definitely led and and beaten by Brad Marchand. You're absolutely yeah. right about that. My 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 surprises, which is more than one, and and here's where you know maybe we need to give Don Sweeney a bit of a golf clap at this yeah. point of the season, is the guys that he signed in the off season, because none of us knew what to expect out of James, James Van Riemdyk, Van Riemdyk. I'm having trouble talking today. Um, Morgan geeky, even even, um, Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah. Those guys who are, they, they seem to have fit in seamlessly with not only the game that the Bruins play, but the culture. Yes. the Bruins have. Yep. So kudos, kudos to, to those guys. And, you know, they're going to need that continued steady course of hockey from yes. these guys. Yeah. So the one, the one kind of pause I have, I, I'm not going to say it's that he's a disappointment or that he's a concern, mm-hmm. but the youngster, Matty, Matty Patra, Matt Patra, who seems to have maybe hit a little bit of a, you know, for lack of a better word, rookie wall. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, I, I, I think I was hoping to see a little bit more in terms of productivity. Yeah. From him, I, I don't think it's for a lack of trying. And yeah. I know that there are situations where he gets shortchanged when it comes to ice yep. time, depending mm-hmm. on, the trajectory of the game and where the game is going and, 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 you know, game time coaching decisions. I, I get all of that. Yeah. But You know, the Bruins are not in a position where they can ill afford to have a roster spot where they're not making the most use out of it as they can at, at this point. Right. Yeah. You know, I think it's just like what we had talked about earlier where, it's, you know, is he a victim of some kind of unrealistic expectations that were placed on him by the fan base? You know, it's kind of hard to say at this point, but yeah, I think we did a good job at giving out our awards. <laughs> I, we should get an award for giving out awards. We should. Yeah, you know what? You have a glass of what your preference is and I'll pour myself <laughs> a glass of white wine. That will be That's our good. award. Sounds like a good time. Yes, absolutely. So we'll keep these and uh, come back at the end of the season and see if anything changed or not. It'll be very exciting. Yeah, a good wrap up um, for us. Hopefully we won't have to do that episode until sometime in June. Exactly, exactly. Um, But until then and until the Bruins get back into business. Yeah, we'll be back um, next week. We'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled um, podcast. Hooray. All right. Well, and as always, go bees. Go bees.